0: Most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins, and we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading is the from the first letter of the Apostle Paul to his co-worker Timothy in chapter 6. It serves as the basis for the sermon today. And Paul writes, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. When you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The word of the Lord.
1: The water is cold. The sky was dark, and the sounds in the air were deafening. The cries for help. The hollering of the commands, the children crying, the mothers wailing, the sounds of loved ones being separated from one another, the final gasps of final breaths before people succumbed to the elements and met their watery grave. Can you imagine how horrific it must have been to have been a passenger on the RMS Titanic? Titanic. And how quickly things had changed. They went from being on a luxury liner to clinging to their lives. They went from elegance to horror. And all of a sudden their priorities changed. All of a sudden the only thing that mattered was struggling to survive. If you've seen the movie Titanic, you know that director James Cameron did a masterful job, an award-winning job of putting those scenes before us. He puts his two main characters, Rose and Jack, in the water, Rose on the door that had broken free in the shipwreck, and Jack clinging to the edge. As it becomes clear that Jack's not going to make it, as he comes to that realization, he speaks some final words, he gives Rose a final kiss, and then he asks her to promise. He asks her to promise her that she will hold on to her dreams, that she will hold on to the hope that she has of a long and bright future. He asks her to hold on for dear life. Before us in God's word today is a love story, but it's not a Jack and Rose love story. It's not a romantic story, but rather it's a story of the love that the gospel causes. The love between one who has preached the gospel and one to whom it was preached. The Apostle Paul was the one who was privileged by God to be able to proclaim the gospel to a young man named Timothy Paul was the one who introduced Timothy to Jesus and to his love. And that started, that day started a connection that the two of them would have for the rest of their lives and into eternity. That's the love that the gospel creates. It's that love that prompted Paul to write two letters to encourage Timothy. We know them as first and second Timothy. It's that love that prompted Paul to refer to Timothy in this way. He calls him at the beginning of this letter, my true son in the faith. And it's why Paul writes him the encouragement that he does in the words that are before us today. It's why Paul encourages Timothy and encourages us to hold on for dear life. Timothy was a young man who was trained by and trusted by the Apostle Paul. Timothy trained, Timothy accompanied Paul on his missionary journeys and did ministry in his stead and in his absence. At one time, being left behind in the city of Ephesus, a city that was near and dear to Paul's heart, Paul lived and ministered at the church in Ephesus for three years on one of his journeys and visited the city a couple of other times on top of that. He knew the place well and knew the people well, and he loved them. And it speaks to the trust that Paul had in young Timothy that he would entrust into his care those people and the mission that he had started and had seen thrive there in Ephesus. It's from that trust. It's from that love that Paul speaks these words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. What's the all this that Paul bids Timothy to flee from? We heard one of the things read uh, from the lectern just before, Paul encourages Timothy to flee from the false doctrine that was prevalent in their midst. There were many within the city of Ephesus and even in the church that were trying to proclaim a message other than the one that Paul had brought sins forgiven freely and fully through Christ Jesus. There were those in that city and in that church that were quarreling over silly and meaningless things, turning meaningless things into things that had some significance and purpose because when it caused anger and strife and hatred, now it wasn't really meaningless anymore. And then the one that was mentioned before, Paul encourages Timothy to flee from the love of money. There were those in Timothy's myths, who aspired to a prosperity gospel, who thought that believing in Christ was a way to financial gain. That's why um, Paul says this. There are those that think that godliness is a means to financial gain. The get-rich hopes of the people of Ephesus had caused them to be filled with jealousy and greed and conceit. Paul says those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. These temptations aren't unfamiliar to us, are they? The temptation towards greedy gain is one that we struggle with every day in a materialistic world like the one we live in, in the culture in which we live. It's held up as the American dream to strive after more, to never be content, to never just be happy where you are, but to always be zealously looking for more. Our sinful nature doesn't help doesn't like to be content, it's not happy where it is, but wants more and more and more. How often don't we find ourselves dwelling, even being consumed with what we don't have, instead of being thankful for what we do? The love of money is a problem that we all struggle with. Stingy offerings, being unwilling to help those in need because of how much it's going to cost us an unhealthy quest to gain more at the expense of the other vocations that God has put into our lives. The love of money is something that causes us to trip and stumble and fall. That's why Jesus speaks some words about it. It's Jesus who says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Paul was really giving Timothy a first commandment encouragement, wasn't he? Encouraging him to flee from all of those things which could threaten God's number one place in his life. To flee from all of those things that could cause him or make it difficult for him to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Timothy was encouraging, was being encouraged by Paul to keep God in that rightful number one place. He was encouraging Timothy to have the right priorities in his life and in his ministry to and to encourage those people in Ephesus to have the same attitude and to live in the same actions. Jesus in today's gospel says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And maybe that didn't set in for you when Pastor Hebner read it before. So I'm going to give you a second to let that set in right now. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. if you don't deny yourselves, if you don't set aside your desires in favor of the desires that Christ lays out for us in his holy word, if you don't flee from sin and temptation, if you don't take up your cross, if you choose anyone or anything to be on the same level or higher than God, you're not worthy of Christ. And if you're not worthy of Christ and if you can't live the life that Christ demands that you live, then you're worthy of something else. Death and hell. There's no debate that we can't live the life that God demands that we live and there's no denying the fate that we deserve. But we have a Savior God who isn't worried or concerned about that. We have a Savior God who is singularly focused on clinging to you. Though we cling to any and everything except for God, we have a God who will never let go. Though God should have let wandering and wayward sheep like us wander and go wayward to our own peril, instead, God put the glory of heaven aside and came to earth to find lost sheep like us. Instead of clinging to power like he could have and should have, Jesus Christ could have wielded his power and used it against his foes He could have won mighty and dramatic victories over his enemies here on earth, but instead he put aside the full use of that power and clung to a cross of wood. He clung to something that looked like torture and defeat. He clung to something that was far from a symbol of victory, but he knew it was your victory and mine. He embraced an instrument of death so that you and I could have life. Paul rightly refers to God as the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. That one laid down his power and his crown and his immortality and his light he laid it down to be your savior and mine he came to dark places like your lives and mine like your heart and mine and was willing to live the life that we couldn't he was willing to shine the light of his forgiving love into our lives so that we could be forgiven he was willing to set his crown aside and to stand before an earthly king, he was willing to quietly and humbly listen to the verdict that a court gave. They abused their power, the power that Jesus Christ himself gave to them. They abused it and sentenced him to death. The one who is immortal set aside immortality because it was only through death that he could hold us. It was only through death that we could have life. The one who is called blessed became a curse, became sin's curse so that that curse wouldn't fall onto you or onto me. And because he wanted to hold on to you, the immortal didn't stay long in a mortal grave. Three days later, he burst forth in victory. Three days later, he arose to show that he is the immortal, the only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Three days later, he rose to take on new life, to be the one who could distribute that life, that real and lasting life to us all. God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can... Believe in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, which was sacrificed for us, which washes us clean, which makes us now worthy no longer of death and damnation, but makes us worthy to stand in the presence of God. It makes us worthy to call God Father. The Holy Spirit empowers us to give us everything that we need that we can heed Paul's encouragement, fight the good fight of the faith, it's not always going to be easy to follow Jesus. It's not always going to be simple to do the right thing. It's not always going to come naturally to choose service over self. It's not always easy to follow through on Jesus' words. Ask the parent who parents just a bit more strictly and has a higher expectations of their child than their child's peers. Ask the neighbor who loves their neighbor enough to steer a conversation towards Jesus. Ask the employee that passes on the promotion because of the immoral activity involved in getting ahead. Ask the public school science student as they grapple with the best way to stand up for God's truth. Ask the college student. Dealing with the best way, wondering the best way, praying with all their might that God help them to be salt and light among a peer group of unbelievers. It's not always easy to follow Jesus. Jesus himself calls it a cross not always easy. Sometimes it's a fight. Often it's a struggle, a battle, yet we don't fight alone. We fight in the love of the Lord. We fight in the name of a Savior God who destroyed our biggest enemies, who defeated the devil, who conquered sin, and who rose in victory over the grave. We fight in the name of a Savior God who has already overcome our greatest enemies and who promises to be our strength, our rock, our fortress. The water skier knows that the best way to avoid a face-first high-speed introduction to the lake is to take a firm hold of the tow rope. An infant clings to that toy like he's clinging to life itself. They'll scream bloody murder if someone tries to take it away from them. They will muster all the strength that their tiny little fingers can muster to hold on to what they want to be theirs right now and what they want to have for the indefinite future. You might say those people are holding on for dear life. When the Apostle Paul uses that picture, he's not doing it metaphorically. He's not giving us a figure of speech. But when those words, when that picture is on the tip of the pen of the inspired Apostle Paul, those words are words to live by. Literally. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Christ Jesus lived his life in our place. He fulfilled the law And did it perfectly. And now he gives us the credit for the life that he was so willing to live. Everlasting life at his side is our sure and certain future. The Holy Spirit puts faith in our hearts so that we can see who our Savior is, that we can know that he has done it all, that we can receive the gift of grace that God gives. The Holy Spirit takes our hands and wraps them around the gift that our christ that our savior christ jesus has already fully accomplished and now your job is the easy one hold on don't let go don't turn your back on what christ has given you don't walk away from it hold on for dear life the best of lives eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the reward of faith that God has given to you and to me and to all who the Lord our God has called. My friends, hold on to the gospel like you've never held on to anything before. Cherish your time with Jesus. Guard it vigorously. Treat the gospel like the family heirloom that it is. Pass it on from generation to generation. Live in it and live it out all your days. Teach your family and your friends to do the same. Scream bloody murder in the face of the devil's temptations when he tries to take it away from you. Muster all the power in your tiny fingers and add to it the strength of God that you hold on, that you hold on for dear life. Recognize the gift grace that is given you in Christ Jesus. Recognize the love of a Savior God who went to great lengths to hold on to you. Live a life of thanks and praise for what he has done. Thank God for the peace that the promises of forgiveness can bring to you. Live your life gladly for the one who so gladly lived his life for you. Cling to Christ and never let go. Hold on for dear life, and it will be yours. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.